Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen, and I am joined by my good friend and former men's manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty good. Um, you know, we're already about a quarter of the way through the, the Summer League schedule, which is crazy. Uh, maybe a little less with some of these cancellations that are now getting rescheduled. But, you know, so far, so good for the, the Jackrabbits on both sides of the ball. No, for sure. And, you know, we're getting into rivalry week, so a lot – you know, a lot to go into there. Um, only one matchup this game, so not as many uh, matchups on this week's episode that we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, two girls' games to review, one guy's uh, game to review, and only one to preview for both. Uh, we're also this week joined by uh, Skylar Flatten. Cody sat down with him last week and had an, did an interview with him. Uh, I was not available to join, but Cody did a great interview with him, so we'll be having that towards the end of the episode here, so something good to look forward to. Um but, you know, just starting into it, you kind of mentioned how we're off to a good start with both guys and girls. And uh, since there's two games on the girls' side, we can kind of dive into those first. Uh, the SDSU girls, obviously, again, going 2-0 and uh, against the North Dakota schools, kind of something like we talked about last week, uh, beating North Dakota State 77-60, to and then beating the UND girls 72-54. to uh, We'll start with the NDSU game that was last Thursday. Uh, NDSU, you know, was probably that other team that, uh, you know, outside people were talking about being the next, you know, right as another fringe team that we keep hearing about every year. Obviously, a 17-point win at home is something you kind of have been expecting from the Jacks. This year, it's just been, you know, up and down with them, so we weren't really sure, but good to see they're kind of back on that, uh, you know, back on track with that. Uh, Maya Selm led, all, led the scores for the Jacks with uh, 12 points. Tyler Irwin also had 12. Uh, 11 points for Paige Meyer, um, and then nine for... Nelson and eight for Burkhart. I guess for you, Cody, uh, what some of your initial takeaways from that NDSU girls game? Yeah, so that game, I think it was another example of the Jacks continuing the consistency that they built on, you know, in the opening week of the Summit League when they traveled down to UMKC and Oral Roberts. Um, their offensive output has continued to be in that 70s range, um, you know, now that they've got everyone back in the starting lineup that they're, um, you know, had wanted to have at the beginning of the year. Um, and they've really kind of hit their stride on the offensive end. I think I, I was looking at something recently. They are, you know, in the Summit League, I think for scoring, they are third now. And then in field goal percentage, they're second and they're actually leading in three-point field goal percentage. That's for the overall season statistics, not just conference play. Um, but just really getting back to their their winning ways um, on the offensive end, and I think that's the biggest takeaway I had um, from this game. And um, I guess another thing worth noting, they uh, the Go Jacks women's basketball page tweeted out a couple interesting stats the last couple of days. Um, in conference play, all five starters, um, are averaging at least 10 points a game. Uh, Tori Nelson with 10, Maya with 10.8, Peyton with 11, Paige with 14, and Tylee with also 10.8. So, you know, they're getting from their starting five, something we didn't really see a whole lot of in, you know, non-conference play. They're getting, you know, some consistency, like you said, uh, with all, you know, with all five girls. And that's going to be key from throughout the years. Just obviously, you know, Paige is going to have off nights as a freshman. Um, but, you know, knowing that there's other players around that can help pick that up is awesome. And another thing that I saw they uh, tweeted out this week uh, was that they rank 
10th overall in total assists this season with 237. Um, that was, like I said, ranked 10th nationally. Uh, Paige Meyer leads the team with 58, followed by Peyton uh, Burkhart with 28. So, um, you know, interesting that, you know, there's two really good stats to kind of show that, you know, they play well as a team and you're not relying, you know, too much on one player. Uh, obviously, if all players are averaging 10 plus uh, and everyone's kind of around that 10 point mark, you're going to have off nights, but that's, you're going to consistently be able to put up good numbers if you're going to have that kind of output from that many players. Um, so just good to see that they're kind of getting back on that role, kind of what we expect from them. Uh, obviously, we talked about how there's probably not going to be a two-bid league this year, but, you know, we've still seen SDSU not lose a basketball game in over a year in conference play, um, in regular season conference play. I should, you know, add that every time. But, uh, you know, they're going to their toughest test this week with USD, which we'll get into. But uh, with, you know, NDSU is another solid win. Um, and just like you said, consistently, consistency and uh, teamwork there was kind of a big thing for them. Yeah, and I think another thing with this NDSU matchup is uh, a stat I saw is that the Jackrabbits have won the last 16 meetings with the NDSU women, uh, which, you know, that's throwing in maybe a couple – times uh, playing them in the conference tournament. That's probably six or seven years in a row that they have, you know, not lost to this team. Obviously there's another matchup still this year, but mm -hmm. uh, for a school that is your rival, maybe not as much in women's basketball, but still a school rival. Uh, it's awesome to, you know, be able to have 16 in a row against them. And, you know, uh, going back to what you said, I think this is, you know, with the UND game, I think, they ended up having 19 consecutive regular season Summit League uh, mm -hmm. wins, you know, going back, you know, over the course of three different seasons now. And so uh, the consistency within the league is kind of what we've expected and we've gotten that, uh, you know, up to this point. No, for sure. And um, you're kind of continuing uh, on that. I'm guessing it's not as long of a win streak, but uh like uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, they beat UND women again, uh, beat them 72 to 54 on Saturday at home again at Frost. Uh, all scores were led by Peyton Burkhardt with 15. Um, the rest of the team was 12 points for Paige Meyer and then 10 for Tylee Irwin. No one else, or excuse me, Haley Timmer scored 14 off the bench, uh, but no one else scored double figures in that one. And in this, this game, it looks like, you know, SDSU used their entire bench. Uh, just because for the last few minutes, because it was kind of out of, out of hand. So, um, so I guess any other, you know, major takeaways, we kind of expected something like this going into the matchup. We didn't expect, you know, we expected SDSU to win um, kind of decisively if they wanted to keep showing that they are kind of the top dogs. You got them above 500 with their overall record, but any major takeaways for you from this game? Uh, nothing major other than, you know, they've continued to be able to play all of their starters and not overextend minutes. Uh, Tylee ended up playing 31 minutes in this game, but she was the only person that played over 30 minutes in either of those two games against the North Dakota schools. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's good that they've been able to have a, you know, deep bench rotation and have people come in and contribute off the bench and not have to overextend anyone just because, you know, last year, especially they had a couple injuries towards the end of the year. And, um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily correlated with how many minutes everyone played, but it, you know, it certainly can, play a factor. So it's good to see that they're being able to balance those. And I think this is also kind of a, a bounce back game for Haley Timmer. She had maybe 
quieted down a little bit from the start she had at the beginning of the year, partly just because other people coming back had a little reduction in minutes, but good to see her still, you know, be able to go out and score 14 points in a game where, you know, Maya didn't shoot the ball uh, uh, very good and she only scored five points. So good to have someone, you know, step up. And I think Tori Nelson was also in foul trouble, so she could kind of slide in for her as well. So Mm -hmm. just uh, a good, you know, young, player for the Jacks that stepped up when they needed her. No, for sure. And, uh, you know, all non-conference, we were talking about how, you know, we were looking for when Maya came back um, and all that kind of stuff. And it probably got repetitive and kind of annoying that every week we were talking about how, you know, she's important and it's hard to, you know, look at this Jacks team without her playing. Uh, But now you see why, even on an off night for her, where she goes one of 10 from the field and scores five points total, the Jacks still win 72 to 54, leading by 25 at one point. Um, so, you know, it just shows how valuable just overall to the team that she is, whether it's, you know, her scoring or just, you know, the attention she draws. So I'm very interested to see how it, you know, goes into this next week's game on Saturday, but there is a reason, obviously we were, you know, talking about her so much in the non-conference, even though she wasn't playing. And now we're kind of seeing it in conference play now as they're, uh, four and oh, going into, you know, their biggest game of the conference season, um, at least shows it validates kind of why we talked about her, I guess. Yeah. And so in this game, you know, like you said, she only had one bucket from the field, but she had five assists. And so she's finding other ways to contribute. And I think just the confidence she brings to the other players when she's on the floor, um, just by the way, you know, she carries herself and then also um, the defense has to focus on her and it opens up lanes. And I just think, especially with her back on the court, you haven't seen this kind of stagnant stretches. Um, you know, that the Jacks had in some of the non-conference. And part of that is, you know, the the opponents and the tier of the opponents they've been playing, obviously in in league are not quite, you know, all of the teams that they played in the non-conference schedule, but just the the rhythm on offense and the flow there seems to be a lot better uh, since she's gotten back into the lineup. No, for sure. I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, when she came back, and got hurt again. Paige Myers, that's kind of when Paige Myers, you know, productivity dropped a little bit. It was during that second injury uh, break for Maya. And then it instantly jumped back up when Maya came back into the lineup consistently. Um, you know, Paige probably after, you know, Maya was officially out out uh, for a couple games, teams probably focusing on Paige a little bit more. And now that Maya's back in, it's now allowing Paige again to kind of take back over uh, that role she started in the season and kind of getting her some more open shots, more open looks. And um, like you said, the defense has to, the defense, if you're going to go after one player for sure, it's going to be Maya. Um, and, you know, she does create mit, uh, matchup issues. She's, what, about six foot? So she's playing kind of that four, uh, three, four forward kind of position. Uh, but she is, you basically can be a point guard too. So do you put somebody bigger on her to, you know, guard her when she's down low and, you know, lengthwise? Or do you put someone smaller on her guard-wise to try to keep in front of her? So she is a matchup issue. And, you know, when she's on the court, it causes matchup issues than for everybody on the court. So it's good to see her back. Um, she's going to be playing a big role this week, uh, kind of going into, like like I've said a couple times now, the biggest game of the season for uh, the SDSU women so far, and that is the USD women's matchup. I guess, Cody, what are some major takeaways you're looking for uh, for this game? Obviously on the road, down in Vermillion at 1 o'clock. Uh, what are you kind of looking forward to in this game? You know, it's the it's the best rivalry in the summit. It's it. This is Summit League women's basketball. This is the rivalry 
we've come to know. Um, it's provided some of probably the most exciting regular season games we've seen on the men's and women's side in the past five years or so. You know, mm -hmm. I think back to a couple of years ago, I think there was a double overtime game. Both teams scored in the hundreds almost. And just it's always a battle. Um, you know, both teams are extremely well coached. They have, you know, the best some of the best talent in the Summit League. And uh, it's just a really fun, almost uh, celebration of, you know, women's basketball in the state of South Dakota because of how talented both these teams are. And I think it's going to be a hard fought game. You, you, you know, anytime you got to go down to Vermilion, it's never going to be easy. Fans are going to be loud. Um, it's, you know, on a Saturday. So I'm sure it's going to be packed there. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just really looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's always super exciting, um, you know, as someone from South Dakota and then going to school in South Dakota and being part of this rivalry. It's, it's a very fun time. So that's what I'm looking forward to um, the most at the moment is just kind of that atmosphere, that rivalry, especially because we didn't get it in full force last year. You know, I think a big thing to note too for on the USD side is USD not used to losing to SDSU um, and women's all the time. Obviously they're trying to, you know, come up on, they're kind of becoming the team everyone looks at as number one option. Uh, obviously lost both games last year uh, at Frost. It's been over a year since the ladies have gone to Vermillion. So any true freshman or second year freshman hasn't played in Vermillion yet, um, you know, on the road there. So it's, it'll be very interesting to see how like, you know, the Paige Myers react to uh, this game. And, you know, Maya Salen's obviously very important. Her matchup with, uh, you know, Chloe Lamb's always a big one, uh, both obviously from small town, South Dakota, um, playing against each other in high school. Now it's kind of carried over into this level. So really interesting to see how that matchup goes again. Um, and always fun to watch that one. And then I think, you know, the biggest match, mismatch for the SDSU women is always uh, Hannah Severin. Uh, obviously, you know, she's taller, uh, tallest player, you know, we'll see on the court uh, for both teams. She's always a matchup issue for the Jacks at 6'2". It seems like she's been there forever. Uh, I think she has like six degrees by now. Um, but I guess matchup wise, SCSU's done stuff in the past that have helped them against her. Uh, just, you know, how they attack her when she gets the ball down low. So it'll just be interesting to see if AJ, you know, it seems like he kind of shows some things in these matchups, but doesn't fully dive into them. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting to see how he handles this because at this point, you know, none of these players are going to surprise anybody. Um, they've all seen each other now for probably three, four years outside of a couple of players like Paige Meyer and Haley Timmer on the SCSU side. So I'm very interested to see how, like what AJ's game plan will be and how much of it he'll show in this matchup, knowing, especially this year, it really won't matter until the championship game of the summer league. Yeah. I think that's an interesting wrinkle we haven't seen in the past couple of years is that, you know, this is round one. We're anticipating three of them and round three is the most important. Um, you know, that's obviously way down the line. We can only kind of focus on this, this first matchup that's ahead of us, but from a, from a game planning perspective, I think you do have to consider that a little bit is, you know, you gotta be able to, to win this one you know, at least two out of the two out of the three. Um, yep. And, you know, like you said, with the younger players, I think that's, you know, something they haven't experienced yet and they're going to have to learn how to handle. Um, and then, you know, on USD side of the ball, they have their their big three. They have, you know, Hannah Shervin down low. 
They have Chloe Lamb and then Liv Corn Gable. All three of them have been, you know, right at that, you know, first first team summit player. They've been there forever. They're extremely veteran. Um, they actually, you know, not all of them were sure they were going to come back this year with the extra year of eligibility they got. They ended up, you know, deciding to come back. And, you know, so far they're they're 11 and four overall. They've won their last nine games. You know, they're 4-0, just like the Jackson Conference play. And I think the biggest thing um, for them this year has been on the defensive side of the ball, like usual. Uh, of all the Summit League teams, they're allowing the lowest field goal percentage at 36.6%. Um, and then in terms of turnovers, they have forced 286 turnovers, which is 50 more than any other Summit League team. And their um, turnover margin is usually seven um, turnovers a game in their favor. So they're really going to play tough defense, especially at home. They're going to try and cause havoc, cause some turnovers from SDSU. And I think the times SDSU has won in this rivalry, they've been able to handle that, haven't turned the ball over, and then, you know, been able to get out and run. So, so those are the things I'm looking forward to from SDSU is – you know, can they handle the pressure, especially down in Vermillion, hang onto the ball, keep it in control, and then, you know, have some advantageous runouts and fast break opportunities when they can, taking advantage of USD being aggressive on the defense end. No, for sure. And, you know, earlier I talked about how SDS2 has five players averaging about 10 points. Um, you look at USD's team, they have three players, uh, like the three players you mentioned, Chloe's averaging 16.3. Hannah's averaging 14.1, Liv scoring 11.9. But after that, no one's scoring anything higher than six. Um, there's one player at six points a game, and the rest is like four, four, two, two, one, 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 one. So I guess when you game plan for a team like that, is that something where you you preach about how important it is to, you know, cover the big those big three and shut them down? Or do you try to limit them while, you know, shutting the rest of the players on the court down kind of like we talked about with max on the guy side i was like you can go after him let him get his but shut the other four guys down or you can shut max down and let the other four guys you know kind of do their thing i guess with three players at that caliber how would you attack that style of uh how would you attack that defensively i think with three it's too many to make that decision you can't you know when it's a, a one guy show kind of like with max down or roberts I think you can really concentrate your defensive efforts on him if you choose to do that. With these three, I, I don't I – don't, you can't say, oh, we're just going to let these three all get there. Like, that, that's not how it works. I think it really comes down to team defense in this game. I think the one player that you can maybe focus on a little bit more is Shervin, just because she does attract so much attention in the post and can get those other players going, you know, when she has to be doubled or when she's really getting to the foul line. So I, I, I think, you know, it's really a personnel thing and a team defense thing. I think it's knowing your personnel extremely well, not letting any of those other players get going that aren't part of their big three. Um, but I don't think you're like intently focusing on, you know, saying we're going to let these three people do their normal thing and, you know, not let anyone else score or we're going to, you know, let everyone else score and not let the big three score. I think it's um, just a really good team defensive effort that is going to get a W with maybe some wrinkles for, for Sheridan. Nope. That sounds 
kind of like what I was thinking. Um, nothing too, you know, groundbreaking. I don't think, you know, since we've seen these three players against SCSU now for, uh, what, five, six years. So um, I guess the only other thing is, you know, we've seen success against them. You get hand in foul trouble. You know, Jacks just can't be afraid of attacking at the rim because when they do – you know, settle for jump shots. That's when they usually fall in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but, you know, if you stay aggressive, attack her, she will foul a lot. She gets in foul trouble. I think, you know, a lot of the games where, when players aren't afraid of going at her, Peyton's been capable of, you know, playing against her. Um, so, yeah, just, I think you stay aggressive. You go after, her, you know, Hannah, and then you just hope Maya can, you know, stay in front of Chloe. Uh, they, you know, they know each other long enough that she should be able to at least stay with her, limit her to the best of her ability, just like I'm assuming they're going to have Chloe try to do to her. Um, and they just kind of go from there. Because if you, if you slow Chloe down, you know, she gets a lot of assists. Um, and she does a lot of other things to the team. Other than, you know, Hannah gets about seven assists a game as well. So you, they do play that inside-outside game. Um, but, you know, you limit Chloe. You limit Hannah's maybe passing out of the block. Get her in foul trouble. Jacks are capable of winning this game again. They obviously did it twice last year. So I'm very interested to see how this game goes and it'll be nice because they aren't playing at the exact same time. Like they have, you know, the last couple of weeks. So you can watch games with a sole focus. And, um, you know, if people are really feeling frisky, you can go down to the game in Vermillion at one and then get right in your car for that, drive up to Brookings and see the guys game. Yeah. I think that's the, the ultimate Saturday, right? You know, exactly. you do, the, do the two for one, uh, get both well, rivalry games. Um, you know, in Vermilion and Brookings. And it is nice, like you said, that we'll be able to watch both games not at the same time because, you know, most of the Summit League slate, that isn't the case. Um, but, yeah, it's just a, a really fun matchup. You know, the fans are going to be out for both the men and the women and uh, excited to see, you know, what round one bears, knowing that there's probably going to be three of them. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I don't have a whole lot to add uh, to what we said. We can keep rambling, but – I think the best thing here is now to move on to the lone guys game from this past week. Uh, SCSU men uh, continue their win streak in conference play by defeating uh, North Dakota State. Um, again, we'll, just, we'll make a note of it quick here. Noah obviously didn't play again. You know, there's not a whole lot to speculate on at this point. Not a whole lot's out there. So we're just going to kind of, you know, got to mention it. But we're just going to, you know, as long as he's not playing, that will probably be the extent of what we discussed. So there's really no point in diving, trying to speculate on anything too much because there isn't anything out there. But overall, great team win. Uh, always tough to win in Fargo. It seems every time these teams play, it comes down to the wire. I think the last four games have been decided by a total of like four or like 20 points or something weird like that. There was some stat where every game comes down, it seems like single digits. Um, and, you know, SDSU got out to another big lead like they did against um, Oral Roberts. And about midway through the second half, they gave it up. And at the end of the game, had to kind of take over. Um, we saw probably Doug Wilson's biggest sequence, offensive to defense, of his career at SCSU to end the game with the inbound crossover dunk, uh, left, you know, grease all on the ground. And then on the other end, with the block to seal it. Um, I, think that, I think that sequence alone put Doug back in the player of the year conversation. You know, he's putting up the numbers to do it. Um, but I don't think people have respected it the way they should because of how good Baylor and others have played. But I do think that got him back in the conversation. But I guess, Cody, before I say everything 
uh, what some takeaways you had from uh, this game? Oh, my gosh. There's almost too much that happened. And, you know, it's almost a week ago at this point. But it was really a roller coaster of a game. Um, you know, coming out of halftime, it seemed like South Dakota State was honestly just going to roll with it. It didn't seem like NDSU was was really building anything. And then before you knew it, it was like it was a three-point game. It was quick, shocking how quick that 20-point lead um, mm -hmm. disappeared. And I almost, like, I can't pinpoint what it was exactly other than, you know, just a few maybe poor shot selection from SDSU side and then a bunch of nice plays and good shooting from NDSU. And, you know, it's just a, a, an awesome rivalry. It's a great win for SDSU, especially up in Fargo. Um, I think it showed kind of the grit that this team has, you know, even though they gave up 86 points, but, you know, to win this game the way they did coming back um, after giving up the lead late, I think showed a lot of grit and heart uh, for this team that um, we maybe hadn't quite seen until, until conference play started. Um, and, you know, you had contributions across the board, Zeke uh, getting another start. He had a big 11 points. Um, Mims came off the bench, shot the ball, you know, three for three from the three-point line, free throws to seal it. He had 13 points. Um, and then, you know, Luke Apple off the bench as well had huge game, couldn't be stopped on the offensive end. Um, you know, and that's, you know, not saying anything about Baylor's performance. So it, it really, or Doug's. <laughs> and yeah. it really was a full team effort, a great win. Uh, like you said, no matter what, uh, at any point in this rivalry, even if the game's out of hand, it's going to come back and somehow be a one possession game with a minute to go. No, for sure. And um, the weird thing I think about this game too is, you know, we've, we've talked about how SDSU's big men have kind of dominated every game for them. And, you know, between Matt, uh, Matt obviously went scoreless, fouled out. So that kind of led to his, you know, limited time on the court. Um, but between Doug and Luke, they scored 34 points on um, what looks like, uh, you know, nearly perfect 19 shooting. shots, 16 of 19 shooting. So very efficient for them. Uh, Doug went seven of nine. Luke went six, nine of 10. And really going into this matchup, I talked about last week, how this is probably the one team that and or SDSU doesn't own the um, matchup advantage down low. And they still went out and dominated down low. I think we're seeing a transition into the style of play where, you know, they were, very guard outside the key, outside the three-point line, then they kind of get it down low and then maybe pop, pop it back out. I think when, you know, Doug and Luke are going the way they were in like a game like this, they almost play inside and dominate the ball down there. And then if they collapse, that's when they kind of kick it out and get those open shots. And guys like Matt, that's kind of where I think he fits in the, his role best with, you know, like you said, three for three from the three-point line, 13 points. He's going to be that kind of that spot-up shooter, just – kind of put him in the corner that Luke or Doug are attacking on the block, let him get open or just let him sit there when they collapse in, get it out, let him shoot. Um, and then you brought up Zeke, uh, obviously put back in the starting role, 11 points, but I think the big thing to note, 40 minutes, um, him and Baylor played the entire game. Uh, obviously, you know, when you only, when you know, going into it, you only play once this week, you can kind of get away with being like, okay, Hey, go out there and play some extended minutes tonight. You can get away with it knowing you don't have to play right away on Saturday um but just shows the confidence they have in Zeke he went five of nine from the field uh like you said 11 points one of three from three 
six rebounds and four assists. So he's doing more than just scoring as well. Uh, he's also a big defensive player. I know he got some good matchups throughout the game. Easley, you know, isn't expected to shoot a lot with one of two, three points. Uh, he got in a little bit of foul trouble, but um, really, you know, he's kind of that main guy you expect on defense. But when he got in foul trouble, Zeke kind of stepped up and uh, it was overall a great team win. Uh, when SCSU is scoring 90 points, they're going to be hard to beat this year. Uh, so it's it was a fun game to watch. And kind of like we've said a couple of times now, you just never expect when NDSU-SCSU match up, that's going to be a blowout. And while it looked like it for most of the game, the end of it, you know, really got interesting. And like I said, Doug kind of helped seal it at the end there. Yeah, it was an awesome, awesome game. Awesome sequence by Doug at the end. Showed his uh, playmaking ability on both ends of the court, why he has been a conference player of the year. You know, big players make big plays in big moments. That's exactly what he did. Um, and, you know, I, I think he hit the nail on the head with a lot of things there. Um, I think uh, Grizzle from NDSU had a really good game. He's kind of been a matchup problem throughout his career for SDSU. Uh, and he's only continued to get better shooting the ball and handling the ball and everything. Um, and he's kind of the one guy that um, got him in this game. You know, Rocky or, or Grant had a really good start, Grant Nelson, but then he quieted down the stretch. And then Rocky was in a little bit of foul trouble and, you know, couldn't play as aggressive on the defensive end. But it seems like he never plays that well against, against SDSU. Um, you know, we seem to kind of have his number a little bit, but. Yeah, it's just a really fun win, great win, um, you know, team win. And uh, it is always fun to see uh, Richmond get as fired up as he did, too, at the expense of the Jackrabbits. <laughs> that, was, that was wild. I was doing a Twitter spaces with uh, the Reach to the Summit guys during the game, so we didn't have the volume on the game just because it would have been annoying. And we were talking, and all of a sudden, Zach was ahead of us by about 15 seconds, and he said something about how – Richmond is freaking out at halftime. And when we got to, it was like, holy crap, it looked like he was going to go after the refs or something. Um, we'd be really interested to see what happened because I didn't notice anything egregious right at that moment that would set him off. But something set him off, and it made for a good show. I know as an SDSU fan, watching him freak out was it's always fun. It seems like, like you said, he always kind of gets going in uh, matchups like this. And he got teed up early in the first half. Surprising that didn't get him ejected there, uh, that freak out. But he, after the game, he even said that he, um, you know, early on kind of lost his cool, uh, led to that technical and probably shouldn't have done that, uh, which was big for SCSU right away. Um, I guess what always interests me is, you know, NDSU has such a size advantage down low. Uh, they just never use it. They have a 6'11 guy in Grant Nelson who can run the floor. Um, they never really use that. You know, he went three of six from the three-point line. I don't know why you have a 6'11 guy, uh, you know, around the three-point line when SCSU doesn't have a guy over 6'8", and our 6'8 guy was in foul trouble all night. So, I don't know. I liked it. I like it when they do that. I'd rather have the 6'11 guy standing up behind the three-point line opposed to down low on the block. Um, obviously, Rocky got in foul trouble really quick in the game guarding Doug, uh, so that limited him, which was nice. But, uh Yeah. You know, they have four guys that really carry the load offensively for them, uh, especially in a game like this one. So it'll be fun to see how round two goes because, you know, we're going to see that in Frost. And right now, STSU kind of holds the, the keys to the, the conference, going undefeated, being the two best teams uh, outside of them, uh, one at home, one on the road. So STSU is kind of in the driver's seat, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, continue 
pass throughout the rest of this conference play. Uh, like you said, it's only a quarter of the way in. Definitely. You know, they, they got two really good wins against Oral and NDSU. You know, they're they're going to be the, the other two teams to beat in the conference. And uh, now it's just about continuing uh, this line of success, especially against teams that you might not, you know, quite have that, that motivation to get up for. Um, and just battling, you know, through the grind of a conference slate, especially road games, they're never going to be easy. Um, so uh, excited to see kind of what this team's made of and, and see what they can do in, in the conference season. And um, I know with that, maybe we should should move into their matchup for this upcoming week. No, for sure. And you kind of talked about how uh, they maybe have to get up for some games that, you know, aren't going to be super competitive. Um, I don't think this next game is going to be one of those that they struggle getting up for. I hope uh, not. It'll probably be the best atmosphere in Frost in over a year. Uh, obviously, the rivalry game we're talking about still, SDSU versus uh, USD on the men's side. Uh, they play, I believe, at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Um, it's the only matchup again of the week for them, so SDSU only one game again this week. Um, I guess for you, Cody, uh, you know, I, I've seen some things where it looks like USD hasn't practiced, you know, in over 10 days still. Uh, I guess what are some major takeaways for you in this game? Uh, the biggest or, thing for me is I think how hungry USD is going to be. They're going to be at home against their in-state rival without a win in the conference season. You know, they've had some tough losses. They need this win. And I think they're going to be, you know, how much they can get up for it, I don't think is going to be a question. Maybe a little bit on the preparedness side in terms of X's and O's, um, just without being able to practice and with some of the COVID things they've had going on. Um, but they'll definitely be ready to play. Um, you know, or sorry, I guess this game is in Frost. I, I might have said that backwards here. This game is in Frost, but USD definitely still needs a win. Um, you know, they haven't won a, a game in conference play and they're going to be uh, ready to go and give their, you know, rival in SDSU a punch. And so I think SDSU um, is definitely the more talented team and, you know, should win this game. Uh, but when you have this rivalry, you never, you got to, got to throw that out the window and, and make sure that you can uh, come in, execute how you want to and, and get the win. No, for sure. And, you know, we've seen some really interesting matchups uh, you know, our time at SDSU, uh, when these two teams match up, uh, especially in Frost, I think we saw, you know, the USD men get up 20 to zero at one point in one of those matchups. So, you know, if you come out flat, things like that can happen. Um, like you said, uh, USD is going to be very hungry because they have yet to win a game in conference. Uh, they've lost some big home games already against some, you know, obviously some tough teams, but SCC is obviously going to be the major favorite in this game. So uh, they can't come out and, you know, sleepwalk uh, through it. You know, it's been, like we said, it's been a while since USC has done too much together. So they're not going to probably have a huge game plan put together in place. But if you're SDSU, you got one game this week. Um, you can't look past it. Just, you know, go out and take care of business and you're ready for next week where you're going to have a couple games again and um, have another road trip coming up. Yeah, and I think the biggest matchup for uh, US or for SDSU to focus on will be their matchup against Comateros down low, um, just because he is such a big and uh, strong player. You know, mm -hmm. so Doug 
if you know if they're going with their kind of four out one in lineup, you know Doug's going to have to really battle down low, try and stay out of foul trouble against Comenteros because he can you know he he's very skilled big but also very strong, um, and so I think if if they can limit him a little bit and not let him get Doug in foul trouble to kind of then dictate the matchups that that we see, um, that's going to be the big key for SDSU because uh, uh, I don't see you know, especially with AJ being out for USD all of this year, I don't see another player really taking over the game um, mm -hmm. kind of in this rivalry, in this moment um, for USD. I think it's going to come down to if they can, you know, really limit Comateros, uh, you know, as he's going to have a good chance to win. No, for sure. And, you know, he put, he always plays a big role in the matchup. You know, we're not going to see the Stanley Moutier go off game like we did in the Pentagon last year. You know, AJ, like you said, it's not playing probably at all this year. So you don't have to worry about him coming out and just lighting up the scoreboard. Um, but yeah, Tassos is a big player there. Um, they also have a guard, you know, that can really light it up for him, which has obviously given SDSU issues in the past. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see how it all goes. Uh, you don't know who's going to be available, I guess, either for, for USD with COVID. And honestly, you don't know who's going to be available for SDSU with COVID because you don't know who, if someone gets it, and they, I don't know what testing looks like for either team. If, you know, if you're vaccinated, if you're getting tested every day, if it's something they, you know, just test you if you show symptoms. But, like, uh, they have a guard, um, Cruz Hunt. Uh, he's averaging about 13.7 a game. You just can't let him go off. You can't let those guys like that just have, you know, career nights like they've had in the past. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, Frost Arena is going to be rocking. Uh, like I said, probably the best atmosphere we've seen there in over a year. So I'm very interested to see how this game goes, and um, I'm excited to see how Frost looks and sounds on Saturday because there's no football. So should be, you know, everyone in Brookings, everyone in the surrounding area should be getting to the game and should be, you know, making Frost loud. That'll be a real fun environment. I'm planning on going. Uh, it'll be, you know, first game in this rivalry I've gotten to watch, I think, since I was back in college, just because I wasn't in the area for a while. But uh, it's going to be really exciting. Um, you know, like you said, can't let those other players go off. I think one key thing is uh, USD is last in the conference this season in three-point field goal percentage. Um, and that's where SDSU has been hurt at times. And teams have stayed in games because of their ability to shoot the three against SDSU's defense. So, you know, if you let the bottom team in the, in the league have a really great shooting night, uh, that's a question mark, you know, for your defense. So I think Limit Comateros, limit the three ball. Uh, you know, we should be in good shape to hopefully uh, celebrate a Rabbits victory over the Coyotes. No, for sure. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot, a whole lot extra to add to that uh, part of it. So um, with that kind of being said, I think we're going to roll into your conversation here with uh, Skylar Flatten. Today, we welcome on a former SDSU and Summit League standout player, a Clark, South Dakota native, and current Swedish Basketball League player, Skylar Flatten. Skylar, how's it going? Going well, man. It's going well. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, for sure. And uh, for people that maybe don't know, um, you know, where are you at currently? Um, in Sweden, who are you playing with? Uh, mm -hmm. How's the season going with you there? Uh, I'm in Boros, Sweden. It's in like... Uh... A town of about a hundred thousand people. Uh, we're uh, right now we're sitting third right now, tied for third, and um, we have a, actually have a game tonight. But 
unfortunately I can't play because I got hurt. Surprise, surprise. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So basically, we're. I mean, yeah, I'm in Sweden, uh, top league in Sweden. All right, that's awesome. Um, and I guess to go all the way back, uh, we usually to start ask most of the people that we have are on like, how did you end up getting to SDSU? What's your story with, you know, from high school to SDSU? Uh, how you ended up in Brookings? So, uh, so SDSU. Um, I, I honestly, man, I would have never thought I would have went there because I always thought I wanted to go out out the state. You know, you know, go exploring and go somewhere you know far away but you know things happen and uh i, I could have went to you know uh, utep uh colorado i had some late late offers but my mom ended up getting sick and i wanted to stay you know near near her and have all my family you know watch me play so and sesu was always always there always like the the most you know committed to getting me there and they they were probably on, on me the most and on me the hardest and yeah so I decided you know they, they want me to, they want me to go there and you always want to go where you want it so I ended up picking SESU and it turned out to be really really good yeah for sure um and you know at SDSU as a kid or player from South Dakota uh maybe talk about what maybe if it means a little something different for the people that are from South Dakota playing at South Dakota State you know compared to some of the other guys that come in from from elsewhere See, going there, I I really didn't know like the uh, the culture and you know like what it really meant to to play for in-state school. Like I I knew they you know I knew they were there and it was cool and everything. And I knew they went to a couple uh, NCAA tournaments at the time, but like I just really didn't know like the you know history behind it. And then once I got there and I saw all the people who who you know put in all the work and and really passionate about the school, like it, it kind of rubbed off on me. I'm like, wow, this is really a great opportunity and like. Like I'm privileged to be able to do this because you know kids, not a lot of kids can do this. And to be to go D one and to play in my home state was like wow. Like I had to look, take a step back and look at the big picture and like this is really really cool, man. And then to have you know my family be able to come to every single home game, and, and a lot of my best friends went to the same school. So I mean like I really had the ultimate college experience when it comes to, comes to uh, you know my people that I love and love me around me. So it was really cool. And on the, on the other end of things too, you know how it goes when, when you go to an in-state school, you got people who love you and people who hate you. It's not really in between. It's always you know it's all, always on the each end of the spectrum. So that was kind of fun to have that too to like, you know, prove people wrong that you know I'm the, I'm not just a kid who got offered because I'm in-state. Like I actually you know I could play with these guys and yeah, it was really cool to do that. Yeah, definitely. It's always awesome. You know that your whole family could go to a lot of your games. Um, and so you ended up being at SDSU for, I think, six years because you had, mm-hmm. you know, red shirt, medical red shirt, um, something that you didn't see very often. But now with right. the COVID rules, we're maybe seeing a lot of guys that are going to be able to do the same thing, you know, on the SDSU team, Matt, Alex, right. some of those guys have the opportunity. Um, maybe crazy. just talk about, like, that grind of like six yeah. full years of college basketball, what it's like yeah. going through that. Like, you know, is it, you got to get up for every season or is it just, it's college basketball. Right. You love it. Uh, talk about that right. a little bit. Oh man. Yeah. That's a good roller coaster ride for sure. Uh, so like every kid goes into a situation thinking like, you know, I'm going to be the man right away. I'm going to get, I'm going to start right away. I'm going to do this and do that. Like 
usually, man, that never turns out the way you you want it to be. Like there's always some some bump in the road that gets you. So I mean, for me, when I got when I got there, I was like, you know, I'm ready to take on the world. And boom, got hurt. Uh, then like didn't didn't expect you know didn't expect it to be as bad as it was. So I I didn't play my whole entire first year, and I was like, that was a dark place for me, man. I was like. I, you know, when you get hurt, it's, it's especially as a young kid, you like you don't know how to take it, and you know, you, you gotta you gotta grind every single day. Every day, you wake up and decide, yo, I'm gonna keep on doing this, I'm gonna keep on doing this. Like I, you know, just never quit. So yeah, that first year was tough, and then the second year is when I I was I I was able to play, but I was still kind of hurt. So that that was a struggle too. Like I wasn't myself. So then I gotta look, take a step back, and you know, like do you actually love this? And and if you don't love college basketball, you you're not gonna last. Like if you're playing, like no matter no matter what level you're at. And so yeah, that was so I actually man, I had to just yeah, I, I loved it enough to keep on going. And every year progressively got got better and better. And by the time like my my fourth year came around, so I was basically a senior, I was like 100 healthy, and I had what three? I think it was I had three more full years of basketball left at that point. I'm like, you know, what? I want to take advantage of this. And I, I remember. Uh, um, Joel Kravinoff, my sophomore year, when I was ready to like to not take that six year and just you know just play my five and get out of there, it's like man, you have no idea what opportunity you have. Like you're gonna be a grown ass man, and you're gonna be playing against kids who are 18, 19. You're gonna be 22, 23. Like it's gonna be a great advantage. I never thought about that. So then, yeah, I had, I ended up staying for six years, and it kind of flew by, man. When I look back at it, I'm like, wow. Like it flew, it flew by so fast. Like I talked to Mike Dom all, all the time about it. He was there for five years. Like I, it felt like it was two years, honestly, man. How much fun we were having. And so yeah, when I, that six year came around, and man, I just I didn't want it to end. To be honest, it really flew by. Those last those last few years when I was actually having fun and healthy. That, that's yeah. I mean that was made it way. It made all the years in my first couple uh, way way better and all worth it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, once you were fully healthy, I think a lot of Jackrabbit fans saw, you know, all the all the potential come out and, and we saw it and it was awesome. Right. You know, with the, the threes and the highlight real dunks. Um, one question is, do you feel like TJ coming in, um, TJ Osselberger kind of helped unlock that or was it just kind of the timing of, um, you know, getting healthy and everything or maybe talk about kind of the the differences between, you know, Coach Nagy and Coach Otzelberger? Right. That's a good question, man. I get that a lot, actually. So, I mean, they're very different coaches, obviously. You know, you, you, you know them both. Um, uh, so, basically, Nagy, like, he was very – he had a lot of confidence in me from the, from the jump. He always used to tell me, like, you're going you're gonna to be great. I know you are. That's why I got you here. It's just it is a tough situation. I was just hurt. Like, nothing you can do about that. And then, obviously, when you are hurt, you, you you do lose confidence because you know you don't know whether you're not, you're not you're whatever whatever part of you's hurt you know you don't know how you have confidence and you know if it's, it's going to give out of you anytime you know so I mean yeah it was it was just the timing thing I really I really think that if I was healthy with Nagy I would have been the same exact player but 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 I'm gonna give credit to TJ too like he does a really good job of getting you know people to play to their best potential and that's obviously you know look at his resume now look at him at Iowa Iowa State. I mean, are they still undefeated, right? And it's, and it's, and it's his guy. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's his guys, I think, so. I think. Like, yeah, I think he, you know, he uh, he knows how to, you know, get that out of you. And, I mean, so credit to both coaches. They're, I mean, they're, they're both very different. 
you know, TJ's a guy who, you know, who is, uh, you know, more, he talks to you a little bit more and likes to joke around with you a little bit more and all that stuff. But Nagy's a dude who's like all about business and they're both great guys. So, I mean, yeah, whether or not, if you would have, if you would have flipped the situation, if Nagy would have came in for TJ, it would have been the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we're going to, I'm going to take you through a situation here. So it's yeah. a, it's a timeout. It's a close game. You're, you know, you're in the, the lineup at the time and you yeah. know, probably more so with coach Otzelberger, he, he's calling the backdoor alley-oop play where yeah. you, know, you get a screen, you're going to get the, the chance to get a highlight real alley-oop. What's going yeah. through your head and how did you stay in the air for so long on those plays? Cause it seemed like no matter how high the ball was thrown, you were coming down yeah. with it and the arena was getting loud. Oh man, bro. You have no idea how nervous I was when he calls those plays. Like I might make it look cool, like all smooth and stuff, bro. But I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, do not drop this ball. Like do not, like, don't, don't miss this. Don't let it slip out of your hand. It, you get, bro. I, I'm so nervous in that corner, but I make it look, I make it look like I'm, I'm fine. But my one thing I do is like, I, I try the guy who's guarding me. I try to like make it not obvious that it's, that it's coming, you know? Cause you know, ATOs after timeouts, like everyone knows there's a backdoor cut or some type of play. So I try to make it look as not as obvious as possible. And then, yeah, when they throw it up, I, just, I jump as high as I can, as hard as I can. And I don't know, man, I, it's kind of like a, I kind of like blackout once like it's, it's in that, in the arena when we had like 13,000 in there, it was like, it went by so fast. So when I caught it, dunked it, like I kind of like, after it happened, I'm like, whoa, what just happened? Cause it was like one of my first, I was like, like I think it was like my junior senior year when I first did it. I, I, it was like, yeah, it was really cool. It's a real moment for me. But yeah, I just tried, I just tried not to drop it really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever you were doing setting up the defender, it, you know, it worked uh, way yeah. more than it probably should have. And that's credit to you. No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, but so, yeah, your time at SDSU, six years, goes by really fast. You end up then getting an opportunity to play in the G League. You know, now you're playing, you know, overseas. Maybe talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, G League, overseas, and kind of professional basketball now that that's what you're doing. Right, yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between European basketball and, and your overseas G League basketball. See, like, when in the G League, a lot of guys are it's, it's a numbers league so obviously you, you can see now that a lot of guys are getting call-ups you know a lot of guys are averaging like 20 plus points the, the spacing is there's so much space so like scoring really is a, a lot easier in the g league but people but it, people underestimate it because i honestly think it's the second most talented league in the world i don't think it's the second best league but i think it's the second most talented because dudes are G League dudes are, are great. Like, they're they're amazing. They can go overseas right now and make, you know, a, a boatload of money, even though they're making, you know, the G League salary. Yeah, so people people underestimate it a lot. And um, so, like, overseas basketball is really, really uh, – it's grindy, man. It's um, a lot of people don't understand how, like, talented these guys really are. But they're, but they're so – they're so physical. Like, the defense is, like, crazy over here. Like the rotations, and I, I've never had to play defense like this in my life. Like every single possession, like you can't take anything off because there's always some type of back cut, you know, flare screen, stagger screen, like that you always have to worry about. Like in college, you can get away with like sitting in the corner and kind of you know taking a little taking a little break. Like here, it's constant. So when I first got here, I was like, my head was going. 
like spinning. But now it's gotten a lot easier now. But yeah, it's it's a it's a really different game, and they're both really cool, different styles of basketball. And it's kind of a blessing I've got to you know um, experience both. For sure. Um, and, you know, it's awesome that you've been able to kind of, you know, keep your career going even through some injuries. And it seems like you're having a really good year this year. Um, do you have any teammates or, you know, anyone from back in the U.S. that you were connected to before you got there? Or uh, is it just kind of, uh, so, you know, the team that wanted you and you signed with them? Or how did right. that process go? Right. So it's funny because a dude that played here the year before I was in – I was in – uh. Before I signed with the Miami's Miami's Yuli team in the training camp, I was in Italy, in Rome. And the dude that was here before in Bordeaux, Sweden, he he was here the year before he went to the Italy team. So I met I met him, was a teammate with him in Italy. And then like, yeah, then I uh then the COVID year happened. And then somehow his coach found out about me, and that's the kind of how the connection worked. And I don't know, do you remember a uh, Marcus Tyus from Omaha? Yep. He, yep yeah, sure. he he played he played here the last two years, so it's, it's crazy how connected basketball is. Like a, a lot of guys, and you know Charlie Westbrook, yeah, Charlie Westbrook, who played at, I think at USD. USD. Yep. Yeah, he plays he played for a team in my uh, league last year. So I mean, it's just crazy how it all works, you know. Yeah, it's definitely a more connected game uh, than people realize. Yeah. Um, as we're winding down here. Uh, I just have a few questions left. Um, one question going all the way back to probably before you were at SDSU. Uh, you played for the Schoolers, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. And so I got to think that Schoolers team probably, uh, you know, before your senior year had, you know, I think Lane was playing on it. Zach Hansen was probably playing on it. You guys definitely yeah. had some dudes. Did you guys, yeah. you know, surprise anybody with, in some tournaments right. or – you have any memories from that? Because I right. have to imagine from being from South Dakota, sometimes you're a little, you know, underrated. Yeah. Uh, but right. there was a lot of guys sometimes, that wanted no, to play always. D1 basketball. Yeah. No, you're always underrated from South Dakota, man. There's no – people – like it's crazy because everyone I talk to in high school going out of, like, South Dakota, like, what? Like, y'all have basketball? Y'all, like, people don't know about it, you know? So, yeah, back in those days, yeah, we had Zach, we had Lane. We had a lot of dudes, man. A lot and a lot like Cole Langer, remember him? And we had we had him. We had a lot of dudes who like went on to play like like division one football and stuff like that. So we were an athletic team. Um it, it was it was fun. Yeah, we played I think the Oakland Soldiers. They had Jabari Bird and Aaron Gordon. And we ended up beating those guys. So that's that's pretty cool memory of, of that. But other than that, man, it was so so long ago that I don't really I don't think I know. Remember any beating any other like big teams like that? But we did most tournaments we went to. We we win. So like Howard Pool, we almost won. Uh, we put Anders Roman when he was when he's at Howard Pulley and Tyus Jones. I think we beat them. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I just dropped that one on you. I know it was a little bit of a surprise, but I just wanted to see oh, yeah, if no, you had sure. any good stories from there. Um, yeah, and that's kind of all the questions I had. You know, for you. Uh, it was great catching her up uh, yeah. and, you know, good to reminisce on some times at SDSU and good luck with the, you know, the rest of the season in Sweden. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. I had, I had fun, bro. Thank you. And that was Cody's conversation with uh, Skylar Flatten. Thanks again for to him for joining us this week. Um, great conversation, obviously, there between the two of them. 
but with that being said, we're going to kind of go into the uh, around the summit portion of the podcast where we kind of cover a lot of the things that's going on. Uh, at the time of the recording, the lines out aren't out for the uh, Thursday games because we are recording on Tuesday. So just check our Twitter. We will be putting out the uh, our picks for Thursday and Saturday. Cody had a 4-0 Saturday, so maybe follow him if he's getting hot. Um, Let's go. <laughs> with his last week, we, you know, on the women's side and the men's side, we saw some cancellations. Um, on the women's side, we only had two games on Thursday, SDSU and NDSU and USD, UND. Um, the only game we haven't talked about is USD beat uh, UND 85 to 46. So obviously a dominating win there. Um, and then on Saturday, we had a few more matchups. Uh, some teams, you know, out of the COVID protocols, it looks like. Uh, we had USD beating NDSU 65 to 38, Oral Roberts beating Omaha 50 to 45, and St. Thomas beating Western Illinois 66 to 64. Uh, I think, you know, the only thing really worth noting in this is St. Thomas women, while the men are doing, you know, probably better than expectations uh, on their side, the women are doing probably the same, two and one uh, in their first year from going up from division two to division or division three to division one. So, you know, congrats to them. They're obviously getting, they have a couple wins now. Um, but I guess other than that, Cody, do you have any other things of note to add for the women's side? No, it's about, you know, those other three matchups kind of went as expected. Um, but, you know, Western Illinois up to this point, I think had been undefeated in conference play. And, you know, it's always that team that, you know, has, has won this league in the past. I think it's the only team that has won the league, not USD or SDSU in like the last 12 years or something crazy like that. Um, so, you know, they always are kind of in that conversation of, oh, well, if they put it together, um, and that's kind of a, a debilitating loss for them to lose in double overtime at home to St. Thomas, who really didn't have much um, expectations at all uh, coming into this year. So um, surprising uh, losses, I guess, from Western on the women's side as well as the men's side. No, for sure. And that's kind of what we'll get into here. Um, Thursday, again, a lot of cancellations for COVID. Um, I know the USD and NDS or UND programs both had COVID go throughout through their locker room. Omaha and Kansas both canceled as well. Uh, so the only other matchup on Thursday was Oral Roberts beating Denver 83 to 66. If I don't, if I remember right, Omaha came back a little bit within Denver or pulled Denver. away again, or uh, Oral Roberts pulled away again. Excuse me, not Denver. Or not, I'm saying that all backwards. Denver came back on Oral Roberts, but then Oral Roberts pulled away late in the game. Um, so yeah, so obviously not a huge surprise there. Um, and then on the other on Saturday, only two matchups again. Uh, Oral Roberts beat Omaha 107 to 62. No surprise there, other than maybe Omaha the lack of talent and effort they put in at times. Uh, and the other game was Western Illinois losing to St. Thomas, uh, 89 to 66. Uh, Tommy's with another, you know, division win one or win division one win. That's a tight tongue twister. Um, you know, they're two and one right now. Uh, offensively, they, they get out to hot starts every week, uh, which, you know, is going to be something worth watching once we get closer to the first matchup with SDSU. Uh, but I think the other thing worth noting in that game is as great as Western played in the non-conference, I don't know what that team was or where they are now, but they are not – at this point, you have to lump them in in that third or fourth tier set of teams because 
They just haven't shown it in conference play when it matters. And, you know, it's all great when you play well in the non-conference, but those are probably a lot of teams that, you know, come in sleeping on you a little bit uh, when it comes to the upper level teams. And then when you go into like summer league play where they're actually, you know, they have film on you and they're ready to go. They just haven't been there. So I think by all accounts, the Western hype train is kind of, slowed down quite a bit. I still think there is a thought that outside of the three major teams, you know, NDSU, Oral Roberts, and SDSU, that Western's the only other team that might be able to string three wins together at the end of the year. But, uh, I mean, yeah, the start of conference play for them being one and two is just surprising, and their losses have been, you know, head scratchers. Denver hasn't looked good outside of their one game with, you know, St. Thomas and their, you know, win over um, their one win at the t- at the buzzer beater. But, yeah, I guess what's your thoughts on those matchups uh, and those kind of results? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the Oral-Omaha game is about as expected other than maybe that large of a, you know, a 40-some point game. It's probably not expected. Um, But, you know, Oral is certainly a more talented team playing at home against Omaha. Um, But, yeah, the Western game, they've definitely kind of hit a a rough patch here going – you know, losing three straight games. And I think if, you know, they're going to have to battle back if they want to be respected in this conference, uh, like some people were saying they should be um, at the start of the conference season. And I think it is a, you know, a young coach in terms of, I think it's only second year with his team. I do have a lot of um, new players in terms of playing in this conference. And so um, whenever you go on the road in this conference, it's not easy. And they definitely weren't, you know, ready to go against St. Thomas losing by 23 points. And so I I think they will figure it out at some point and kind of battle for that third, fourth, fifth spot um, in the league. But um, they definitely have some figuring out to do uh, in order to get there. Oh, for sure. And, you know, this is really looking down the line. But if for somehow they, you know, end up in one of those seeded spots where they're going to end up on the same bracket side as, you know, the two, three matchup, that will just be a gauntlet on that side of the bracket. Whereas, you know, if I don't know St. Thomas, I don't think plays in the tournament this year. So obviously that four seed, even though right now St. Thomas is ranked third, um, NDSU is technically in third place because St. Thomas doesn't matter. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they get seated because like I said earlier, SCSU is kind of in that driver's seat. So um, a team, if they end up not being, you know, that four seed and end up on that other side of the bracket, You, if it, things hold out the way they are right now at the top, it's going to be a gauntlet to get, you know, to the finals, having to go through NDSU and Oral Roberts more than likely. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be important for a team to um, maybe try to get to that four seed uh, or, you know, the top two or three. But it uh, be interesting to see how the season plays out, if they can get going. I think with Omaha, you know, you expect better from them just because, you know, coaching-wise that they have, the, they have a guy in place that knows how to get it done, but just for whatever reason, the guys that are on the court uh, just aren't meshing well together this year. I know they have a lot of transfers at the, you know, in the uh, guard positions, but it just seems like at times the effort isn't there. Uh, a lot of things I've been reading and hearing, just things just aren't good on Omaha right now, but I guess we'll see how the sh- season plays out and how things shake out there. But, um, you know, that being said, I don't really have much to add to the around the summit and that's where all we really have for today Uh, like i said check us out tomorrow on twitter we'll be putting our picks out um maybe follow cody's picks a little bit more than mine because he's 
doing quite a bit better than me right now. Uh, he's two games ahead of me in the uh, in our overall uh, standings. He went 4-0 on Saturday, so he's got a good handle on how things are going right now. But with that being said, uh, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, follow us, like, subscribe, uh, all that normal stuff you do with podcasts. Leave us a comment, five-star ratings, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.